I'm delighted to welcome today Anna Charles, who is the founder of 90 Days Later. Welcome, Anna. Thanks, Elaine. Lovely to be here. So the first question is obvious. What is 90 Days Later? Well, this is a coaching program that I set up where I help high achievers basically get freedom around alcohol. So these are people who aren't alcoholics. They know AA isn't for them, but they still have a struggle. And I basically take them and take them from where they are to what they want to be, which is living without worrying what's in their glass, whether they want to give up entirely or perhaps they just want to cut back a bit, but they find it very difficult. And I show them how. Right. Excellent. So I'm sure you're going to have people queuing at the door, those who are happy to admit to this, though, because there's a bit of a stigma, isn't there, about alcohol? Do you know, Elaine, that's what it's one of the craziest things, in my opinion, that, that there really, really is huge shame. In fact, I think nearly all of my clients, when they come to me, they say, I haven't told my husband, I haven't told my friends, I haven't told anyone I'm doing this. Because um, I think in society, we tend to, well, alcohol first is very socialized, right? It's everywhere. We use alcohol to celebrate, to commiserate, to, I don't know, every which way. And we tend to be taught that there are two types of drinker. There are the alcoholics and there's everybody who drinks normally, right? And if you're somewhere in the middle, you think, wow, there must be something wrong with me because I don't think I'm drinking more than my friends, but I really don't feel very good about this or I can't control it. And, and then you start to get really, really worried. I mean, I used to Google, right, am I an alcoholic at two in the morning, which is nuts, because I knew that I wasn't, right? I didn't have a physical addiction. I just found it hard to say no. It was simply, I just couldn't get my arms around it. And so when we have this um, sensation out there and because so many people do drink, if you decide that it isn't for you, you kind of become the weirdo mm -hmm. yeah. in a way. And it's like, well, why aren't you drinking? You know, total strangers will come up and quiz you on why you've got water and not wine. And that can be very uncomfortable for people makes them feel huge shame and we basically as we do the work we say look there's no shame about it it makes total sense that you drink because of these other factors and let's no let's change that mm -hmm. I, I just uh, recently read well I didn't read I listened to an audio book to Professor David Nutt and his book uh, Drink and it's it was fascinating because I'm one of these people in the middle and mm. I, I can take it or leave it, but I do enjoy mm. it. And many times I thought, well, shall I give up? Um, but as you say, you know, you end up the weirdo. So from being in the middle, you then turn into the weirdo. And I'm already considered a weirdo with the way I eat and my health and well-being stuff anyway. So and then I thought, well, actually, well, why, why should I? Because I enjoy it. I'm not dependent. And I think that's that's the key thing, isn't it? That's the difference between somebody who enjoys it and somebody who's an alcoholic. I actually say, I, and I don't like labels, man, I use the term alcoholic just because just to really distinguish the fact I, I don't work with people who have a physical addiction, who are drinking to avoid withdrawal because you do need medical you know, attention in that. But I think it comes down to what you want to get out of life. Are you happy with the results you're getting? If you are drinking three or four glasses of wine a night, you wake up as fresh as a daisy, you can remember everything, you're totally happy, fair play, you know, carry on, that's fine. But you can drink maybe two glasses every other night and wake up with a cracking headache, be really un unhappy, just you know, feel that you 
don't have the control. I think it's our commitment to self that we lose, right? I said I wasn't going to do this and I ended up doing this and I'm so weak and you know, all these things we say about ourselves. So if that's happening, you, I'm offering that you don't have to live with that. So it's a choice, right? It's totally, totally a choice. And the way I do this with people, as I say, they decide, they decide their goals. I help them achieve their goals. I'm not saying you've got to do this. You've got to do that. You've got to do this. So then the only person they're really cheating against in a sense is themselves mm -hmm. and what's the point in that right yeah absolutely so how did you get into this niche of coaching so um tell us the backstory yeah so I um I see myself as a high achiever so years ago I had this huge corporate job I mean hundreds of people working for me I had a you know several million dollars 60 million dollars PL I was responsible for so clearly very capable I have a lovely family. I see myself as intelligent and I've written a book and done all these things and I can set a goal and achieve it. But with drinking, I just couldn't put my arms around it. Right. I'm one of these people who say, right, I'm not going to drink tonight. And there I would be pouring the white wine the whole time, not every night, but enough. And then one night I was preparing dinner. I always remember this so clearly. And out on the surface, I had the onions and the potatoes and there was a glass of wine that I had poured and I had no recollection of pouring it. It had become such an automatic habit. And I thought, this is just, this is nuts. This is just totally ridiculous. I don't like that I can't do this and I don't like the impact. It's, I was one of those people who wasn't happy with my results and doing all the things and going to AA just, just wasn't, wasn't right. So I sort of was looking at coaching and I got into this and I, worked on some stuff on myself that worked and I managed to essentially extinguish my desire so it's super easy today because I don't want to drink because I don't just don't want it I just don't think about it it's just not part of my life and Elaine I you know I still see this as a huge miracle I mean truly this is a miracle because it was something that I really had to work on and so I said you know I've got to share this I mean, this is, I want, there's, there's no need for people to sit there stewing and struggling, feeling shame and not telling anyone and feeling really bad when they, they can actually do it. So that was why I said, I'm going to do this. I'm just going to quit the job and do this and help other people achieve this too. Brilliant. When you, when you say quit the job, so I would imagine as happens to many of us, drinking is part of the job. You socialize, you take clients to lunch, you, you, mix and mingle and so on and so forth and before you know where you are and um, you know I, I, I've been there too um, yeah. but it's it's the after effects for some people that is most uncomfortable um, you know, and, and as you say a choice well it's interesting there's there's a couple of things there so part of my job was as you said I had lots of customers lots of reseller partners and I go to all these big events and I'm actually quite a shy person I don't like big crowds so it was a case of a little bit of liquid confidence for sure, right? It would sort of make me feel a bit less self-conscious and I'd be a bit chattier to all these people. But then, and I don't, I'm not sure, I mean, I haven't been in the corporate world for the last few years, so I can't say right now, but there was this kind of almost unspoken rule that you couldn't leave the bar while there were still customers up and about. It was yep. kind of frowned upon. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so you'd sit there and, you, you know, and you certainly couldn't sit there drinking water. And I say, you know, it, it makes you sound like, oh, you're sort of going along with the social norms. But of course you were because you had customers there. this was an important thing. And it was sort of unspoken rule, in inverted commas, and not healthy, actually. And I think that certainly fueled part of part of what was going on, for sure. Mm, absolutely. So your your program how long does it take I mean I'm presuming from the title 90 days later that it's 90 days I mean is that is it can you really do that in 90 days so that's the the catch yeah so I do it's actually four months so I say it's 90 working days I could do we could do this in three months 90 days I am for sure but I like to have an extra month in there because things happen life gets in the way and I want people to really come in with huge confidence they can hit their goals and yes this is the real and the, the one of the other reasons I named it this was I want to give people a sense that it actually doesn't take that long right it depends the work you put in you have to practice a lot so there are some things that we learn and, and I set homework and challenges and then my clients go off and do those things and then we see what we learned and try and try and try and try again because people come and they say but I've been drinking for 30 years I mean, 30 years, I haven't got 30 years left sort of to unlearn it, but it's totally possible. So that's why I bookend it like that. And how this works is we are so it's it's one on one personalized coaching. So I have a curriculum, a loose curriculum, but I customize it to what's going on. So for some people, they drink more when they're celebrating. For others, it's more because they just have this these really negative emotions that they find very hard. You know, to deal with so it's always a little it's a little bit different some drink more on their own and some drink more in company so anyway so I figure that out and we we come back as I say every week and we have a lot of actually one of the cool things we have a lot of email written support in between the calls I encourage that because I want my clients to go out and try this you know volunteer to be the designated driver see how that feels you know volunteer go and do this try this try this try this and and then they come back and again we figure out what happened and they give it another go and we adjust and yeah that's and then there's videos of course and there's worksheets and things but it's really about looking at their life and making this so that in the end it isn't really something that they think about they just become this person who just you know if they want to drink a glass of wine every week or so it's not a huge treat it's just something they can take or leave because we're not putting any level of importance behind it. It's not a crutch or any of those things. Brilliant. And and you mentioned earlier on about yourself, so you don't think about it now. Do you, do you actually drink sometimes? Um, if my husband, my husband likes to drink occasionally, and if he has a, if somebody has a really nice glass of wine, they say, you've got to try this. You've just mm. got to try, and I'll have a mm. sip. It really, truly does nothing. For, I say it's, for me, it's like ice cream. I can't stand ice cream. Everybody goes mad on ice cream. And I really just, you know, I just rather not actually. There's a full, there's often a full or a half full bottle of wine in the fridge because I've got my adult children drink, my husband drinks. Just don't, I truly don't think about it. I would rather have a glass of minted water than Shabli. And so just yeah. even just saying this to you now after all these years is kind of wonderful. 
Yeah, it's brilliant. Well done. Good for you. I have, um, um, I used to be a shabbly drinker and uh, then I, I changed over to red wine and uh, various different sorts. Um, nice Rioco is, is just wonderful. And of course, it's got health benefits and being a health and well-being mentor these days, um, yeah. I kind of quite, quite feel comfortable with that, but not to excess, of course. No. Um, but uh, I was actually married to an alcoholic um, mm. for some time and, and mm. uh, being on the receiving end of what happens afterwards isn't a pretty picture. So, um, yeah, the, the, the book by Professor David Nutt um, was really um, an eye opener on the statistics that he quotes. And um, he was the government um, advisor for the benefit of the listeners on uh, drugs and, and alcohol and all kinds of things. He got sacked, actually, for, for speaking out um, some years ago uh, it's very worthwhile listen um, mm, or, or a read a so tell us about your book Anna um so I have a podcast I haven't got a book yet but um so so the the, well, the book I meant earlier was was a novel that I oh, wrote right. okay. that was that's a, yeah I'm a novel writer on the side that was oh. that was nothing to that was nine years in 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 the writing it's nothing to do with this I can tell you about that if you like but I do have a podcast where I come out every week with episodes on this. And actually I do have plans as I do consider myself a writer. I do have plans to write a book, but I haven't just yet. Brilliant. I look forward. I'll have to look up at your podcast. Um, I'm working these days with professional services and um, my background being in law firms and accounting firms. So I'm working more with professional services people these days on the health and wellbeing piece and team dynamics and that um, by looking at the person's or the team's behavioural profiles, I can tell who's <laughs> ill, who's at risk of burnout and all this kind of thing. Mm, so yeah. I can see this being a, um, an integral part of how I'm talking to, to the people because it's such a stressful environment that they're in. It, it is. And, and I think one of, again, this, this is back to this, this thing about shame and, you know, I, I, it, haven't yet uh, spoken, you know, sort of officially to companies, but I would love to do so because I think there are, again, so many people, and this isn't this massive struggle. This is the thing to get over. It isn't that, you know, people are going to be turning up drunk at their desks, but there's a, there's a well-being there where they just find they're in this situation. And, you know, it could be a very gentle struggle. And I think just having, being able to talk about that and in, in an open way, so that one can then get the help one needs. And again, I'm not talking detox and all of that. I mean, this is this is far, far more accessible. I think um would actually behoove companies to to start having to have those conversations if their if their employees wanted to. And again, without any sort of recourse, without fear that I'm going to get sacked because they think I'm a raging alcoholic, which mm -hmm. is not the case at all. Yeah, I think it would be a very well received talk. And there are lots of people now going into organisations virtually or, or in person mm. giving these talks. I think it will be a very worthwhile one because, mm. as you say, drinking now is normal, isn't it? And you're abnormal or weird if you don't. So I think it will be a very good good idea mm. for, for that uh, service to be offered. OK, I'll have a little look at that. <laughs> yes, marvellous. Okie dokie. So what would be your tips then before we close, Anna? What would be your top tips for anybody who finds themselves after listening to this, um, perhaps in that middle bracket, or maybe going yeah. a bit more than the middle bracket? 
So I think the first thing is to, even if you failed many times before, I think just see that it's possible, right? I think we have to start from the pos- from from the perspective perspective rather that we can achieve this. You can become the person who has freedom around alcohol, right? Don't go into this thinking I'm just never going to do this. I'm going to try, but I'm ne- it's never going to happen. It's possible. The second thing is really start to become very, very aware and conscious as to what is happening, right? When are you drinking? Why are you drinking? What's happening when you drink? Who are you with? Is there any pattern? Are you even aware? Like I, when I said, when I started this, I wasn't even aware I poured the, the, the glass. So try to back it out and start to see how this is all unfolding because this is all really, really, really valuable information that's going to help you to figure out what's going on because then we can look at it and say well what was happening there how are you feeling and you know what were you trying to avoid generally it's an emotion we're trying to avoid and once we can find the emotion and then we can then I have some tips and techniques to how we feel the emotion and stay in the moment so that we don't have to reach for this thing that makes us because it does make us feel better in the moment there's there's you know there's no doubt but it really starts with that finding, just becoming aware. That's what I say. Number one thing, just become conscious, write it all out, become aware of how you're thinking about it. If you're walking around saying, I love wine. I mean, you say, I love Chablis. I love, love, love the Premier Crew. It's just the most delicious thing. I mean, I can't get enough of it. Of course, you're going to want it. You're creating your own desire. And then we look at that and we say, how can we stop thinking in that way? And once you start doing that, you stop you know, creating your desire because you are the one, this is like the central message to everybody. You are the one, if you overdrink now, you are the one who's taught yourself to do that. Mm-hmm. You and you alone, you're responsible for that. It's nothing to do with how your husband's shouting at you or stress, all these other things. It's how you're reacting to what's happening. And once we're able to then identify those things and learn to sit with them and analyze them, it actually all falls into place very, very easy. Definitely. And the emotion that you mentioned is is a trigger for a lot of people, whether it's comfort in food or comfort in alcohol, if it's it's, it's masking something, isn't it? And the trouble is then, um, which is why I admire how you're going about the coaching, because when you deal with the alcohol side of things, you still have the emotions to deal with, you know, why you started drinking in the first place for some people. And that's where it's nice that you're doing the coaching piece and you're acknowledging the emotions. Exactly. People say, Anna, I did it. I managed to not drink last night, like we agreed, but I was so bored. I said, here, you're left with what's left. You're left with your life. But then you get to see what your life is. And then that's the beautiful thing. You get to see what I want to do with that life. Now that I'm aware that all I'm doing every evening is sloshing in front of the TV, when I'm not doing that, I've just gained a whole evening, Mm -hmm. five, six, seven times. Then the work begins. And that's why these skills are um, across all areas of your life. I have one client who says that since she's now changing this, her husband's starting to eat more healthily because he's starting to see she's got more energy. I mean, it really flows over like you wouldn't believe. Brilliant. Brilliant. It's all about balance, isn't it? At the end of the day, balance sure. in everything that we do. Sure. Sure. And getting the results that we want. And if we're not, then do something about it. Exactly. So how do people get hold of you, Anna? So my website is 90dayslater.co and my email is Anna 
at 90dayslater.co. That's probably the best way. Um, so I've got a 90 Days Later podcast that you can listen to. And yeah, you guessed it. My Instagram is 90dayslater.co. And I have a 90 Days Later Facebook page as well. So take your pick, any of those. Brilliant. And the 90 days is the number 90, isn't it? Nine zero. It's the number 90. Yeah, exactly. Brilliant. Fabulous, Anna. Thank you so much for taking time out today to speak with us. Thanks, Lane. It was a huge pleasure. Thanks.